0: Welcome in, guys, to the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your host, Jake Burns. It is your Friday, December 16th episode presented by FanDuel. We are going to have a quick change of pace for your Friday episode, as you have probably noticed if you've been paying attention to the last two Fridays. Uh, We have had John Colosimo on, and we have talked to John about where his wife is in the process of their third child, and they were close. Uh, They happened to have that third child, and... With that third child comes the inability to jump on a podcast, despite uh, some plans. So I did not uh, recruit a replacement. I'm not going to bend your ear uh, on my own here for a couple hours. I don't think that's worth your time. So I want to present a couple different voices. Uh, the OBR Twitch does a fantastic Thursday show, which is a preview for the weekend. I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. Andrew Spade and Brad Ward handle that. It's a great show. They look forward to... Uh, topics uh, around the Browns and then obviously look forward to the Browns opponent, which is the Ravens this weekend. I will be back myself with Brad Ward uh, tomorrow to do our preview show, which again, game is Saturday. So that will obviously be a day ahead of time as we preview Browns Baltimore for four 30 kickoff in Cleveland. So uh, check that out. If you missed yesterday's Kevin Stefanski episode, go back and listen to that. A lot of people really enjoyed that one. I thought uh, Jordan did a great job on the topic and we tried to, knock out every angle we could with that one. So, like I said, go back and check that one out if you haven't. Then we'll be back with a fresh episode on Saturday morning, your game day preview with Brad Ward. Check that out. But for now, let's get to your weekend kickoff with Andrew and Brad. Hopefully you enjoy it. Some good topics here. We'll catch you tomorrow with a fresh episode. We'll talk to you then.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to weekend kickoff for week 15. My name is Andrew Spade, and uh, I am joined tonight by a special Uh, guest host or guest co-host brad ward brad how are you this
2: evening i am doing excellent sir i'm glad to uh join you here this evening
1: it's nice to have you thank you for filling in for cody he's uh i believe he's visiting santa claus is that what we
2: were told i think that's correct yeah uh and good for him uh it's uh you know it's been a while i probably should check in with uh, santa myself
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Cody's got to do a little extra work with Santa because he's for sure firmly on the naughty list. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and 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 Fumble Thirteen has already caught on. Yeah, Cody, Cody bailed on us. Uh, he's uh, you know using family as an excuse, but uh, you know it we happens. all, I think we all know the truth. Yeah, and that's right. It's it is it's a it's a busy time of year, and you know it's it's funny because this year we've got Christmas on a Sunday and new year's on a Sunday. So, you know, our schedule is going to be our, our holidays are going to be consumed with, you know, Brown's talk
2: football. Yep. that That's yep. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest, Andrew. Yeah.
1: Right. And I appreciate that positivity because I was about to gripe about the fact that we have to talk about a bad team all through the holidays, <laughs> but I'll, I'll save it. And, you know, I just also want to shout out super surge MC because before the show even properly started, he he had the comment of the night here. We won the lottery, but it was too hard to adjust, so we just turned the ticket back in. Browns coaches probably, and I think that is in reference to the Jeff Howard press conference today. Which, oh my uh, lord, we, we can start there, Brad. Actually, because you know, it's 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 maybe. I mean, I I think it was kind of an accidentally very revealing moment about how this defensive staff thinks about what their job is.
2: Yeah, and I'm um, actually. Um... Initially, I was like, who let this guy on the podium, right? Like, are they out of their minds? And then, you know, I was actually talking to Quincy Carrier on my show earlier today, and he made a good point of, like, this is actually a good thing, right? Like, this is actually revealing, and it's a good thing for Browns fans to see exactly how inept this defensive staff is, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. needed to happen. Like, you have to... Yeah, Larry, you know, coming kind of saying, I did not seen it. You have to see it. I mean, it, it's it's a debacle in every way, shape, or form. I mean, the entire interview is, um, is, is yeah, complete nonsense. Yeah, it's not nonsense. just that one quote. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's the, the, not the whole just the interview one quote. is bad. Yeah. But the fact that he makes the comments of that, you know, somehow it was harder for him to adjust to not having Higgins – and uh, not having Boyd on the field is just crazy talk. Um, and, you know, what is your job? Like, what is your job, right? And, and you know, I, I I just don't under – they don't understand what their job is, clearly, and, and, you know, no ability to adapt to the situation, uh, no ability to make any kind of uh, significant moves in-game. Like, we've seen all year, like – the defense just doesn't have the ability to adapt on the fly at all. Uh, their game plans don't seem opponent specific. Um, and this has been my complaint all year. But then you hear Jeff uh, Howard talk about this. And it's clear that they, that they are more inept than we thought even probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that
1: that says it. You know, it's funny. This is, you know, uh, this is one of those situations where you saw the quote. And so you thought, okay, well, let me go watch the video. It's probably not as bad as they made it sound on Twitter.
2: No, <laughs> no, it's worse. It, it's worse. It was.
1: It was actually watching the video was. And I, you know, I'm realizing I should probably explain what this is. So Jeff Howard, who is the passing game coordinator for the defense, and really the defensive backs coach, but he's got the coordinator title. Um, right. He, you know, he's really kind of Joe Woods' second in command. Um, he was. He was kind of Joe Woods' biggest hire. Uh, which I think is also revealing. Um, he he said in his press conference today. They asked him how they how they why did they kind of struggle to adjust or how how hard was it to adjust on the fly because the Bengals had all three of their receivers Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd active, and then Higgins apparently tweaked his hamstring in warmups, which I feel like they definitely should have seen, and then uh, Boyd hurt his finger on the first drive, I believe, and so yeah. Uh, so, so the question was now all of a sudden it's just Jamar Chase and the criticism that a lot of people have been leveling us, you know, people on our air, uh, as well as elsewhere is why didn't they just double Jamar Chase now that all these other receivers are out. Yeah. So that was the question. And he answered it by basically saying, we weren't sure if they were going to come back and it makes it really hard to adjust once the game starts.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And again, I'm, you think I'm, if you haven't seen this, you think I'm being unkind to him. I am not. (laughs)
2: No, you're not. You're probably doing him a service uh, yeah. there in, in cleaning that up a little bit for him. Right. It was bad. And uh, there was there were other parts of the interview if you haven't seen it that you should watch because the entire interview is very revealing. I believe he yep. called out Grant Delpit um, and unnecessarily. You know, it's just a bad look and um, very revealing. You know, the things that we thought were problems on this defense are clearly exactly what they thought they they are who would they we thought they were. Right? Isn't yeah. that the you know mm-hmm. they are exactly who that the, that we thought the staff was. Um, if that is how he answers any of these questions, hilarious uh, in the uh, chat room right now. Uh, yeah. yeah, imagine a good job how hard it is going to be going this weekend and just not playing Pat Mahomes in <laughs> <weekend. laughs> So good stuff. Yeah,
1: no, it's that's that that is very good stuff, and and I think I think the point that you make, Brad, about. Bre- Revealing, and you said Quincy made it on your show. I think that's such a good point that they're revealing who they really are, and and that for that to happen at this particular time, I mean, poor Jeff Howard. I I, you know I don't know that he fully understands or or anticipated that this was going to catch on, but boy, it's going to it. It's to the level of like you wonder if it's going to affect his job prospects.
2: Because yeah, you would think it would. You would think it's, so, right? It's
1: so – and the thing that comes across watching the video is his tone is defensive, as yep. if, what did you expect? That's kind yeah. of his, his vibe is like, yeah. what did you think we were supposed yeah. to do? And it's literally, I thought you were supposed to do your job, Jeff. Yeah, I thought yeah. – my expectation was that you would do your job. They've right. got however many defensive coaches, quality control guys, you know, uh, assistants to the assistants – They've got you know uh, over a half dozen guys just on the defensive side of the ball. When you're playing the Bengals, two of their wide receivers leave. You could just have one guy watch those guys. You know, at one point he said th- that they used uh, T. Higgins on the first third down, and so he thought they were going to use him only on third downs. Well, if he comes out on a third down, you can change your call.
2: Right. What, that, you, know, so it's, what it's, you can't adjust to that? <laughs> that if you right. can't adjust to a guy coming into the play <laughs> on a different down than you expect. <laughs> What did you want that, him to that, send you the script across yeah. the field? I mean, seriously, right.
1: that's, that's the reason they wear numbers so that you can point them out and say, Hey, that's T Higgins. It's absurd. So let's, let's scrap the the three on one side coverage where we were going to triple cover Jamar chase. And and it's not just that those guys were missing. It's that the depth that the Bengals have at the positions, you know, uh, f- fumble 13 in, in chat mentioned they were out without their tight end as well. The guys that they were running out there are barely NFL wide receivers.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and, and, uh, you know, they I mean, they 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 had a few passes where the coverage turned them open. But it's just it. I it was it was a little bit of a talking point this week. And then he poured gasoline all over that fire. And it just really I I mean, I think that point by Quincy is so right. It just really shows you who these guys are. And it's it's devastating to think. I mean, as Chad has rightly said, these are the guys that have been coaching. You know, this is he's almost this is almost his full third year
2: what a waste man what a waste of uh opportunities for this team earlier in the year uh you know i've been saying for weeks that it doesn't matter what joe woods does because yep. the in the barn the damage is done and it's just unfortunate that like we get to this point and we see how inept really like you know it is at this point and that this is, this is his second in command basically that we're talking about here. And, and uh, it's just a shame, man. And, um, it it really, the one thing that positive that I guess we could take away from it is that like, really it's indefensible for Stefanski to want to keep them around anymore. Right. Like, like I will, I still defend Stefanski and want to see him back. And I'm sure I'll take right from that from some people, but, um, if he decided on his own that he wanted to put his fate on the shoulders of Joe Woods and his staff, I would have serious, that would change my opinion of Stefanski immediately. Right.
1: Right. I, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm putting these comments up, multiple people saying this really kind of like is the final nail in the coffin for this defensive staff, because you know, it, it, it really just points out the level of, and, and you know, you made this point off the top, and I think it's worth saying again, the lack of adjustments are clearly a philosophical thing, right? Because, again, yeah. he's sitting there in this press conference acting like, well, what did you expect? That we were going to change our plan? We made We spent all week making the plan. We can't just change the plan. And it's like every one of the best defensive coaches in the league, it's all adjustments. That's what they do. That's their whole stock and trade
2: this is what i've said about him is that a lot of what joe woods does and that i have an issue with is hey here's what we run we run a lot of cover three we're a lot of cover four we're gonna play a lot of zone we're not gonna blitz anything exotic wise we're gonna have our front four and this is us this is us mm-hmm. week in week out there's no um opponent uh based uh you know like the best defenses in the nfl morph Themselves into whoever they have to be that week to beat the opponent, right? And yes. and you don't get any of that from them, right? You don't. No. The only time that you appeared to get that, and maybe a little bit, was Cincinnati, like the first time, right? Like they mm-hmm. changed things; they did a little bit, and, and throughout the year they went to some more man to man. But like they don't. There's no opponent based approach week in week out. And then like at halftime, do we see? adjustments that win you games do we see adjustments that change the outcomes of uh, you know what is actually happening during a game that's your job that is your main function adjustments on the fly literally is your job like that's probably one of the most important components of your job and you're going to throw your hands up in a presser and say we didn't know what Downey was going to be in on you know mm-hmm. i mean it's just uh, – it's outra- it's outrageous. And, you know, I hate the idea of – and there are coaches like this in the NFL that are just that stubborn in their ways that they're like, mm. this is who we are week in, week out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, here we are, come beat us, right? Uh, mm. And I think that is just such the wrong philosophy that I really mm. do – like each week should be its own, you know, um, yep. it should be its own task, its own – whoever you have to be to win that week. Right. Right. And that's not who the Browns have been on as a defense. So uh, it's unfortunate. And uh, I I don't think you can defend uh, the actions uh, of this defense anymore.
1: Yeah. It's, it's wild too, because, you know, I think the, you know, I mean, at least, in the, in the wake of the game, when we were talking on, on Sunday evening, we were really talking about the offense more. We weren't talking about the defense. We didn't have a, I mean, I, you know, they didn't have their best game. And I think if the Bengals needed to score more points, they could have, but Mm. it also wasn't the defense's worst game by a long shot of the season. And so uh, it's, it's interesting that, that these somewhat, you know, and it's very clear again, watching the video, he doesn't see what he's saying as wrong. No it's one of those times, like, like you said, he's being honest. He's being unfiltered because he doesn't have a problem with what he's saying. He doesn't see how other people could. It's totally unguarded. And, uh, you know, it all of a sudden we're on, we're Thursday. We should be talking about the Ravens. And now I'm looking back at, at this defensive performance against the Bengals and saying, well, you know, maybe they could have held him to 17 or 13, you know, I mean, Yeah, If they had changed those things, and and it brings, what my point is, is it brings the spotlight again back to this defensive staff. And they had kind of started to, you know, win, not, not win people over, but certainly win a little bit more respect for some of the way that they, I mean, certainly that game against Houston, they, they scored all the points, but, but, you know, uh, the, the performance against Tampa Bay was, was strong, I think. And, 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 you know, I think we were okay with the performance against Cincinnati, but then he says this and. Now they're right back in the crosshairs. And so I think it puts them in a really difficult position. I mean, obviously they get to play Tyler Huntley. We can we can move now and talk about the Baltimore game. It was announced today that Lamar Jackson is out for this week and Tyler Huntley is back, so he's going to make the start. Yeah. Um, but but it puts them in a really difficult position at home a week before Christmas uh, with, with nothing to play for, really, in terms of the playoffs. It puts the, the defense in a position where if they give up yardage to Tyler Huntley... It's going to get ugly in in, uh, First Energy Stadium on
2: uh, Saturday. Yeah, it's going to get really ugly, especially after this. And and just one last thing, a comment here on this before we move forward, yeah, And I do want to talk about Huntley. But I think people in chat are making the point, too, that some of the things we've been hearing from players throughout the year, like Delpit's comments about not knowing what, you Mm -hmm. know. How, and you, there's an obvious lack of buy-in and belief in what they're doing as a defense or else they wouldn't be pointing the finger all the time. It makes a lot more sense when mm. these are the guys that are heading up these meetings and, and sending you out there with your marching orders. Think about, you know, Jeff Howard, it's his name, right? Yep. Um, I mean, think about the, 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 the screw-ups in the secondary at the beginning of the year and and how that cost you games and, um, you know, players not knowing what they're supposed to do and calls being confused coming in and out of the huddle and, and players pointing at each other and and around, I mean, you, you understand where some of this lack of belief and lack of buy-in is coming from now. You have to, I mean, we talk I, I said, you know, we've talked about not changing the voice in the room, but it has to be a voice you believe in, right? And, and mm-hmm. you have to believe in what you're doing on the field or else this is what you're gonna get from your players too. So uh it's just uh it's just crazy. Yeah, Huntley presents some problems for the Browns as far as I'm concerned as a defense with his likes, because they just have they have gotten uh they've gotten destroyed by guys that can run all year because uh, they just are not disciplined enough um, in a lot of what they do to stay where they need to be or stay in their assignment sound, uh, be assignment sound enough to, you know, keep a quarterback like Huntley in the pocket, right? And make Uh him throw from the pocket. He's athletic, man. He will get out and he will run for yardage and make some plays happen. And uh, that's you know he can give the Browns fits unfortunately.
0: Hey guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get a hundred dollars in free bets with an early sign up bonus. Now again, reminder: you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign up bonus by using the promo code. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real-money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a challenge, and you know, as people in chat are saying, uh, you know, they don't have enough time to adjust because uh, they didn't know who it was going to be until Thursday, so they've only got from Thursday to Saturday. So, um, <laughs> you know, they're they they got they're they're not going to be able to adjust by by Saturday. So we're we're in trouble. I I, I think you know, and and Philly with a great point too. Jok, of course, went on injured reserve this week, so they're you know they're down every linebacker. That started the season four in of a them. position to start, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four season ending linebacker injuries Mikes. altogether. So, four Mike's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so obviously contain, rush contain from the defensive ends is going to be important. It always is, right? To keep their discipline. But also, we're going to need to see somebody step up from that linebacker core. I mean, uh, Deion Jones had a good game against the Bengals, I think. Uh, so, you know, maybe we see more from him.
2: Yeah. I mean, he has played he has the experience and he's played enough downs and he gets, he understands that he seems like a smart enough guy that he understands the, you know, what they're, at least they're trying to accomplish. Um, at least, you know, sort of, at least as much as you can understand from the coaches. Um, yeah. So he, uh, he will be out there and you will have, who else are you going to have? You're going to have, um, what's his name? Punt, punt block.
1: Uh, Oh, Tony fields. Sure.
2: Tony Fields will probably be out there for a good portion Mm -hmm. uh, of it. And uh, I I don't know who else you're going to see, right? Right. Canastic. I don't know. Yeah. Uh,
1: Kanasek, Or they could, they could go to Reggie Ragland, who they just signed last week off of the the Chiefs practice squad. He could show up or, uh, you know, they signed Lawrence Carter from the practice squad. So it's going to be somebody that hasn't seen many snaps one way or the other.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I would think they probably lean towards, I know they've been playing fields at the will, but uh, I think that he has an opportunity to get some more snaps here when they go into their nickel. It'll probably be Fields, and uh, I would think it would be Fields and Jones and give yeah. Fields a little bit more of an opportunity despite his idiotic uh, spearing of the punter last week. And, and also heard Pre for kind of defending his actions a little bit too on that, like going for the block there um earlier in the week and that was irritating as well um because i don't really understand like how many punts do we see blocked in the nfl in a season i looked it up and that was the fourth there were three roughing the the punter penalties in the entire nfl up until that point last week that was the fourth one uh andrew so that's how egregious that penalty was by the way
1: well, and let's let's just say this about the the Browns coaching staff. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has done a great job over his tenure of taking responsibility. You know, when when that fourth down call failed in the first quarter, he drew that pass up. He said, "That's on me." Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the issues, and and you kind of talked about this, if they if they did make a move to bring Joe Woods back, one of the issues that I have with both the special teams coordinator and the defensive staff is that I don't see a lot of accountability in these press conferences.
2: Yeah, no, they're deflecting blame, right? And that's a big problem. And, yeah, it, It's all bad. It's a all a bad look for them at this point. You know, yeah. Joe Woods handles himself pretty well in a press conference, I think. But other than that, like, Prefer, I, I, I feel like, comes across a little arrogant at times. Um, and uh, I, I don't really enjoy listening. Not like you—, you Listen, yeah. they're not up there for mean. our enjoyment, right? Like, right. they're up there to get through it, not give you as much. Like, what Jeff Howard did today was, like, the opposite of what anybody wanted
0: him <laughs> to do, right?
2: Yeah. Like, they don't want exactly. you to go up there and yeah. really talk about your philosophies and what you think. Right. You're supposed to go up there and give non-answers and get off the stage. That's what a good coach does, really. I mean, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Um. So, what he did today was just stupid. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think, I think it'll be interesting, as I mentioned, to see how that affects kind of the mood in the stadium on
0: oh, Saturday
1: and, yeah. and, and, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the, the atmosphere of the game. Cause I think, I, you know, I think probably by tomorrow, this is going to be a pretty widespread and, and off repeated, uh, uh, gaff from Jeff Howard. And so, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see the impact of that. Um, uh, but you know, so we've got Tyler Huntley starting for the Ravens. Their offense overall has been much more running centric than pass centric. So you would expect not just the quarterback scramble game in the in the pass dimension, but also quite a bit of designed run with J.K. Dobbins and, and Tyler Huntley. Uh, and the Browns have been better against the run, but certainly we don't think they're a good run defense team. So it feels like it's an opportunity here for it you know the ravens are one of those few teams that if you let them run it they'll just keep doing it they won't throw the ball unless they absolutely have to on saturday
2: yeah no they're still 30th dvoa in rush mm-hmm. defense in the entire nfl so this is right. not a good run defense right like this is right. um and and listen there's blame to go around I, we, you know we've kind of been through there's blame to go around for this like it's on the defense it's on the scheme but the players were not good enough you know you, yeah. you didn't get you expected this high flying afc you thought you could get away with going cheap at d tackle and inviting the run but what you've done is you've invited the run to your detriment and and it's backfired on you right you've got you got a low scoring nfl you played a bunch of middling quarterbacks who just were willing to run the ball at you right like the where it worked was in the Cincinnati game the first time, right? They made themselves one dimensional. So mm-hmm. did sort of, so did Tampa Bay, right? Yes. And like that's yes. what this defense was designed to do. So it has worked a couple times, but like as a whole, scoring is down, running the ball is up, and the value of defensive tackles now look much, much higher than what Barry and company thought they were. So. I hope we see a proper adjustment to that philosophy that's off season. Andrew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that I think is a conversation I'll have in just a little bit. Um, but let's talk about the offensive side of the ball against the Ravens. Quick um, Deshaun Watson, better game against Cincinnati uh, than he did against the Texans low bar there. Um, probably the Bengals are a stiffer defensive test than the Ravens, but they're also different types of teams. Right. And yeah. so, one of the things that will be interesting to see is how he plays in his third consecutive game, you know, really starting to shake the rust off and uh, feeling the scheme and and hopefully seeing a little bit more consistency from the offense generally, whether it's running the ball or passing the ball. Um, So, you know, I, I, my expectations are definitely tempered at this point, but I, I do, you know, you want to just continue to see progress, right. Where you you see Watson take an identifiable step forward every week as he did between Houston and
2: Cincinnati agreed and and listen like i'm not i'm okay with seeing him throw the ball 40 times now like i'll I'll just say it like mm-hmm. i'm not saying just go crazy or whatever right but like they should be in gear down chub mode you know use hunt more um and let's see what deshaun can do right you know and, mm-hmm. and and I, that's kind of where I'm at with what I want to see from this offense. I, I don't know what good it does at this point to really like flex your run game muscle uh, right. to grind out a 2017 win over the Ravens. I think it's more <laughs> important to yes. uh, go and see what Deshaun has to offer yeah, uh, and, and get him as many game reps and get him mm-hmm. in the flow of what Stefanski wants to do. You know, yeah. a lot of the RPO stuff that they they're going to do, you know, requires a good deal of timing and trust that that it just only can come from, you know, playing on the field with each other.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a great point that you make about just wanting to see more. And I think it was one of my frustrations with the game plan for the offense on Sunday. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's, it's another conversation about adjustments, right? Because they clearly came into that game expecting to have to manage Watson as much as they did in in the, his first game against Houston, right? The, the, the play calling in the first half, especially, but even into the second half was so run heavy on first down. Um, it, it was so predictable and it put them behind the sticks time and time again. But that be, was because, you know, I think Kevin thought that he had to manage Watson as a quarterback. As the game progressed and they got into a negative uh, game script, they were down playing catch-up, he had to throw the ball. He ended up throwing the ball 42 times, and it, for the most part, was okay. But I think because so many of his early throws came on third downs in predictable pass situations, the Bengals were able to scheme up pressure. The offensive line has continued to struggle, and it put Watson in some very difficult spots in the first half. So I would like to – I agree with you 100%, Brad. I would like to see more aggression from the jump. Uh, more first down passing to try and stay ahead of the sticks and then mixing in the run as that counter punch that should have room to operate if Watson is able to throw the ball well.
2: Yeah, they can't, like, listen, you know, it's been pretty obvious on the what f- film that I have seen that teams are have identified and, and adjusted a little bit to what the Browns are doing, and they're very much uh, taking away Nick Chubb's cutback lanes and things like that right now and And even Nick is having a little bit of a hard time with his vision at this point, uh, because that's he depends so much on you know going against the grain, right? Yeah. Uh, and his vision is kind of like just based on working across uh, the field and cutting back. Uh, and teams have identified that and are taking it away. So at this point, like I said, I don't see much use in running Nick Chubb a whole lot. Uh, you know, you can get him some carries and some work so he can get his numbers or whatever. But really, what's the point? Let's, you know, Kareem Hunt's probably not going to be back next year. He's a, a good back. Go ahead and, and let him work, you know, in the offense with Watson. I don't think you're missing any, like, huge connection that needs to be made between Chubb and Watson there, right, mm-hmm. uh, that can't be forged in the offseason. And let's see Watson sling it around the yard a little bit and see what... Yeah. I would rather see him make that connection with Cooper and, right. and the other, you know, I would like to see more Mike Woods, right. Uh, you know, like stuff like that. Like I personally want to see Mike Woods. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, David Bell's going to be out now. We find right. out. Right. So I would like to see Mike Woods and, and, you know, of course, DPJ and, and Cooper. And I want them to continue that connection, but go ahead and throw it around the yard a little bit You know, if he throws a pick or two, that's fine. It's okay. Get it out of your system now um, and and get a feel for the game back. So, yeah, I don't, you know, um, this is an evaluation period and a critical one. So evaluate, right? Let's put Mike Woods out there. Let's put Jalen Darden out there and see what they can offer and if they have a place to even come back to camp next year and, and compete for a job, right? uh now's the time to figure that out
1: yep i think that's all really well said brad and i think it it you know it'll be one of the things to watch because i think you know as i said i was i was frustrated by the conservative nature of the offense on sunday i understand the thinking because they're trying to protect watson but i was frustrated by the conservative nature of the offense and and i'm i would be disappointed if they came out with a similar game plan against the ravens like you said if if They come out and try and get Chubb a bunch of carries into the Ravens defense, uh, you know, on first downs on, on Sunday when they don't have much to play for, you know, now, uh, now Brian 021 makes a great point about the weather might be a difficult issue uh, and it always is this time of year. Yeah. So, you know, that would be the one thing, but, but as, as Ian said earlier, you know, even a little Jerome Ford, I'd like to see, he's been pretty good on kick return. So, you know, let's, let's, I mean, he'll be back next year and, and Kareem Hunt most likely won't, as you said, so let's see a little bit of Jerome Ford working out of the shotgun uh you know running some of those RPOs with Watson because you know yeah this this is disappointing as it is to be 4 weeks from the end of the year talking about the playoffs being out of the picture they are they you know mathematically they're all but eliminated so uh we're we're looking at next year now and so like you said they've got to start to evaluate some of the uh some of the components so just as the browns need to look to next year let's you and i look to next year a little bit in two articles, um, in the past, uh, two weeks, uh, about some of the off season questions that I wanted to talk about, yeah. um, the, the, the big one, the most comprehensive one, and the one that definitely goes with, you know, our big theme from the top of the show is you wrote a great article, a, an, an overview of who might be available at defensive coordinator this off season and who might be a good fit for the Browns. So talk a little bit about maybe some of your favorite choices and some, you know, that you think are longer shots.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So my favorite choice right off the bat, like a guy that I just – when I was researching it that I really like. And, and this – so a lot of this depends on, like, who gets fired, who doesn't, right? Sure. Like, you got to understand the rules in the NFL, right, like that you can't – no lateral jobs, right? Like, you right. can't – none of that stuff. So um, it depends on if – like, I'm assuming that Nathaniel Hackett's going to lose his job – Right. And uh Hero Evero, the Broncos, D.C., is going to become a candidate. Now, I love him. I think he's fantastic. Uh-huh. I think he's at the forefront of everything that's going on in defense and in, in the NFL. But I think he may end up getting a head coach. The more I read about him each week, the higher he's going up candidate boards. He looks like he right. may be more towards a head coach. I also like Jim Schwartz. If if you're going to go with somebody that that is proven, done it in the NFL, and then maybe kind of had to, like, take a step back a little bit. Like, right, he, he was D.C. Uh, they won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. But the knock on him was the stuff, like, his fronts were great, all that stuff. But the stuff he was doing in the secondary um, was a little archaic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you look at what they're doing with the Titans now, and it's it's modernized, and they're doing that, and they're working together well over there, and that obviously they have a very good defense over there. So it, it looks like Schwartz has made an adjustment on the back end to kind of modernize his approach in coverages. So I think if you could look at him, he's a guy with a ton of experience, been a head coach you know, another voice that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's been a head coach in the locker room. If you're really going to listen, I hear this all the time about Stefanski, right? Like he's a head coach, not an offensive coordinator. And I understand that. But one thing you have to understand about the NFL when we're talking about coaching, Andrew is if you want to be able to keep a top offensive mind, he has Mm -hmm. to hold that head coaching job. Because right. if he's your OC, he's gone in a year. And right. you're just going to keep running through OCs every two years if you have a good offense because they're going to keep getting hired and hired and hired. So at some point, he has to hold the head coaching job. So maybe a guy like Schwartz balances out the uh, responsibility or, or whatever needs to happen there, uh, lay of the land. in Berea, because he's been a head coach, because you can kind of give him charge of the defense and he can look over the whole thing. Yeah. Thoughts. Uh, Eric Eric Washington is a uh, hot name from the Bills. He's a senior assistant there. Um, I added in this most recent edition the college guys. Now, personally, I don't think that Andrew Barry would go the college route. I, sure. I just think that's not uh, like really his style. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I could be wrong there. Uh, but Jim Leonard is of course going to be one of the most popular names. Uh, Everybody loves what he's doing. uh, And he's very, very creative. Uh, So he's one. And Ryan Walters is the other guy. He's the DC at Illinois. He won the coordinator of the year uh, award uh, this year. So he is another college guy. If you're looking at other names around the NFL, you've got Brian Flores. Now he has an outstanding uh, lawsuit with the NFL. (laughs) So I don't know. What you want to do with that? I like Joe Witt Jr. a lot. He's a guy with the Cowboys, uh, defensive backs coach with the Cowboys. I like him. Uh, Ronaldo Hill is a guy who has spent some time. Listen, you know there's like the hot names. Like anybody that spent time in a room with McVeigh was a head coaching right. candidate for like three right. years, right? Right. So the names on defense are Raheem, uh, uh, Raheem Morris, right? Anybody yep. that's been around Morris uh, is like the hot name, right? Here's a guy, Ronaldo Hill, uh, and Jonathan Cooley, uh, Ra- Jonathan Cooley of the Rams Hill of the now of the chargers, both have been spent time with Morris, therefore they're hot names. And I think that Hill is actually a pretty bright guy. And, uh, and once again, you want to look at that chargers room. What if Brandon Staley loses his job? Sure. Right. He becomes sure. automatically a defensive, uh, coordinator candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's possible he could lose his job. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen there. But right. I know they're in the running for uh, – they want uh, – what's his name? Peyton. Sean Peyton. A yep. uh, couple other names I'll throw at you real quick. Yep. um Nick Rallis from Philadelphia is a hot name. Uh, and then, you, you know, all the other guys that you're really looking at uh, are going to be guys that are um, – you know, pretty much unless, you know, I threw some other names in there. Like, uh, a lot of people like Aaron Glenn in Detroit. Um, if you want like a former player type, uh, he's a guy, but you know, Detroit's defense has been God awful. So like, that's why I don't understand like he, why he's on these lists sometimes <laughs> that I'm looking at, like their defense is not great. Right. Uh, cool. the, the guy that should be getting the credit there is Ben Johnson, their OC. So, I. Right. Uh, but there's some names there, and there's some intriguing names there. Um, I understand. You, know, I see people saying no shorts. I understand the. You know, I felt that way a little bit too until I kind of read. There's an article out there you can find, and maybe I can, I'll post it on my timeline if you guys want to look at it. I think Jake actually introduced it to our chat about the Titan staff right now, and yep. it kind of re introduced me to schwartz as an as an uh as a potential candidate um it's interesting stuff so i will uh post that
1: yeah um i think you know a lot of those names are interesting to me i the one thing i'll i'll mention is i know ryan walters was a hot name but i'm i'm relatively sure I, i'm like 99 percent sure he got the purdue job did you really I think so. I'm pretty sure the Illinois DC, I'm pretty sure is, is the Purdue head coach. Um, Cause I think I saw Corey Kinnon talking about how he was a guy that he had his eye on for the Browns. So that's one. Um, the other name that I think is interesting, especially depending on what Tom Brady decides to do to go, is, uh, is Todd Bowles because, you know, yeah. Todd Bowles is a guy that has been a very successful defensive coordinator. And, you know, uh, as much as it's, it's, you know, it, it pains me to say it and he seems like a, a really good guy he has not been a very good head coach. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of things going on in Tampa this year. uh, And I'm not going to sit here and say that they're all Todd Bowles' fault. But when he has been a defensive coordinator, he has been a very, very good defensive coordinator. And Tampa Bay's defense, despite losing a ton of players to injury this year, has still been a pretty good defense when it's all said and done. So Todd Bowles, you know, when you talk about that presence in uh, a coaching staff to kind of counterbalance Kevin Stefanski, Todd Bowles, I think, would be Near the top of my list of of guys that would have that sort of gravitas that could could be a sort of a steady hand to help uh, Kevin out. So that's that's just another one to throw out there. I don't know, you know that that he is going to get fired. It's certainly it's his first year. I think it would be unfair to him if he were to be fired. Yeah, I and think so too. Um, and and then also, you know, if he did get fired, then you don't know if he wants to even coach next year. Maybe he wants to take a year off and and just get that paycheck. So um, that's just the other name that I wanted to throw out there.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Josh uh, makes a good point. You know, D.C. of the Colts, that's one to look at. Like, you want to look at staffs that are going to get sure. disassembled, right? Sure. Yeah, um, that'd be Gus and, Bradley,
1: right? I don't love Gus Bradley, but.
2: <laughs> no, right, I agree. Uh, but, like, he, the, he's got the right idea, though. Yeah, in yeah, that yeah. We're, you know, you're going to look to pick from. Right. Staffs that are getting blown up at the end right. of the year, right? And I did check. He's right, and Ian wrote it there. So you're right. Ryan, Ryan Walters did uh, take yeah. the Purdue job, although, to my defense, two days ago when he took it. So, no, no, I mean, no,
1: not when your article came out. No, I would have, I would have said, yeah, no. But said- I just mean.
2: You scared me there for a minute. I was like, did I write <laughs> no. in this article about. No, uh... no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't right.
1: even think Jeff Brom had taken the job at Louisville when you wrote, when you published yeah. that article. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's I just, I know. was just mentioning to keep us up to date because, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you know, it's it, it, this, this time of year when these guys, especially the college guys or guys go back to college, It the carousel spins so fast that it's very hard to keep up with all of it. So certainly nothing to, to, to be bothered by. I just wanted to mention that I had seen that yesterday. Um, uh so i you know let's let's okay so just let's let's do this and we'll wrap it up and maybe we'll we'll give a prediction for the game but let's talk about tears because you rattled off a lot of names <laughs> um and, and that's Sorry great I, that. that's exact no 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 that's exactly what i wanted brad that's exactly what i wanted because you know people need to have a, a big list as we're entering this time of year because if you give us two names the chances that the name that you give us is the one that's going to be the dc are very very low but you gave us you know, 8, 10 names. And so there's a good chance that, you know, the Browns will at least be interviewing some of the guys you listed. So yeah. that's a good look at it. And, and, and as I said, check out Brad's article on the OBR. It's got even more names than these. I think he I think yeah. he edited it down a little bit for us. So um, if you want to sort of guide to what the Browns are going to be looking for, this is a great place to start. Um, let's But let's talk about your tier of candidates. I think, you know, the first guy you, you mentioned is Jiro Evero. I think he is, like you said, a, a head coach candidate. And probably if he doesn't get a head coaching job, then becomes the hottest defensive coordinator candidate in the league. Um, so Definitely. to me, I think he's probably tier one and maybe even on his own uh, in terms of, and that's interesting to say, but he has, you know, people are saying in chat, you'd like an experience name. He's done it. He did it this year with Denver. The only reason they've won games is because their defense has been shutting people down for most of the year. So, and that's without, you know, they traded Bradley Chubb midway through the season. So, uh, I, I think he's the real deal, and I think the Browns would probably be lucky to keep him for two
2: years, <laughs> the way that things are going yeah. for him. So, uh, so extremely so, impressive guy. Yeah. I, I totally agree. One, like, one A, right? Like, mm-hmm. totally, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, that's where I feel. That's how I feel about him. And I, but I, that the problem is that I think that's how everybody feels about him. So,
1: right. Yeah, and, and Super Surge makes a great point. Jeff Howard will probably get promoted.
2: <laughs> probably. You're, yeah, that, you nailed it. That's it. The only
1: thing worse than Joe Woods coming back would be Jeff Howard getting promoted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Super Surge also makes a, a, a good question. Lovey Smith is an interesting name because, you know, as, as bad a year as the Texans have had, their defense has been not terrible. So, Ugh. you know, I, I, I mean, I agree with you, but, you know, I, I think – they just uh, might get uh, they an I can talk see about
2: like, here we are who this is who we are. We don't change. I mean, they just cover to like 90% yeah. of the time yeah. Tampa too. I don't know if yeah. I could deal with that, but right. Okay.
1: No, it would certainly would be as predictable as what we've been dealing with. Maybe even right. more so. Um, so then, so if we're talking Evero is kind of almost in his own tier, then the other guys that I think would be uh, near the top of my list would be, um, is his name Eric Washington, the, the, the assistant with the, the bills.
2: Yep. Yeah. So I, I really love a, Leslie Frazier,
1: Frazier. So I'd like a little, I'd like a piece of Leslie Frazier's game if I could.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, um yeah. Uh, Bill's senior assistant, uh, he's, I think he's their defensive line coach. Really? So he's not, it wouldn't be a lateral move. So he would right. be available to take yep. that job. And he is viewed over there very highly. Yeah. Uh, I got so that to, name from um, one of the guys over at, uh, was it Cover One or whatever? Cover oh, three? sure. Yeah, yeah. so – and yeah. uh, I reached out to them uh, for a couple names that they had, and that's the guy they, they said that was the best guy for the job, Eric Washington.
1: Yeah, so, so I think to me it would be Washington and Bulls. Who else is sort of in your top tier?
2: I think Schwartz is a, a real candidate. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't know if I put him in my top tier, but can I be like 1B – Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one my one B would be like Schwartz, Joe Witt, Jr. Okay. Um I would put like I don't think Barry would do it, but I think most people would put Jim Leonard in the top tier.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. I would. I but I also agree with what you said about I don't I just don't see this organization going to the college ranks.
2: I I don't know why. I, I I just get that feel like they feel like too buttoned up to do that. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't
1: think any of their hires so far at like the top level, you know, the coordinators certainly were all NFL guys. And I think for the most part, their position coaches were too, right?
2: Yeah. Or at least somebody that's been in the NFL and and back now. I forget if Leonard, I don't think Leonard has, you know, obviously he played in the NFL. Right. Um, no,
1: I don't. I think he maybe was an assistant on somebody's staff as at, at like the lowest level. But for the most part, he's been a college guy since he left the NFL.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I mean, so, talk about he, I mean, he's doing some of the most creative stuff. Yeah. In college and, that that's that they're using it. The, people are stealing from him at the NFL level. So yeah. like he's uh you know and he's a free i mean he left the job like he's right he's uh, just on the market they could hire him tomorrow yeah absolutely (laughs) if they wanted the deep six woods
1: after the shit show today they could uh, they could just hire
2: yeah (laughs) they could just
1: hire jim leonard uh yeah no okay yeah and i I think that's a good name but it's interesting yeah the the whole thing about the college versus pros thing it would be i would i think we would both be surprised if they went that
2: route i Um, would be surprised yeah
1: yeah. And then I guess my tier two would be your Jim Schwartz. And then, you know, um, uh, some of the other names that you mentioned that I'm not as familiar with, um, you know, I think Ronaldo Hill would be another young one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, Staley maybe is in the, is in tier one. Um, I You know, I'm hot and cold on him as a head Me coach, too. certainly. Um, you can't fault what he did against the Dolphins on Sunday night, though. So it's a little bit of recency bias because after seeing that, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat.
2: <laughs> Listen, I think a lot of the criticism that he's received has really been about like just game management as a yep. head as a head yep. coach. So, like, right. I am in their offense, right? Like, they don't yep. do it enough with yeah with Herbert. Uh, right. Everything is so close to the line of scrimmage, and you've got one of the best arms in the league. So, I think a lot of the criticism is based on his game management and on mm-hmm. the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, if you give me the opportunity to hire him as a DC, I would swoop him, swoop him up. I think.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. He and Stefanski are really doppelgangers, right? Because he's run a great defense, even though statistically the chargers have not been good this year. You know, he, he's, he's, he has done really impressive things schematically on defense, but his offensive coordinator is holding him back as head coach of the, uh, the chargers for sure. So, uh, and, and of course we've got people saying, saying E. Gillen, and fumble thirteen, both suggesting that Buddy Ryan should be the next uh, the de- next defensive nice. coordinator. And I, I'm listen.
2: surprised we haven't seen any Greg 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 in there. For sure we yeah, Greg
1: Williams, or, or you know the other one people like to throw on is Wade Phillips. You know he's 115 years old at this point, but get Wade Phillips in there. So yeah, I mean, and, and Mike Zimmer was the hot name until he decided to go to Colorado and help uh, Dion. Yeah. So I
2: I mean I had him on my list, and obviously I adjusted that when he. Right. uh, went there you know it's interesting he lost his son yeah. um when i was writing about this he went it, it's he coached Dion. Mm-hmm. he was his favorite player that he ever coached and they yeah. created this relationship so he went as a consultant to jackson state he mm-hmm. lost his son and i was like wrote in the first version of this article like i kind of wonder where his head's at as far as coming back to the game but i think it's a good sign that he's consulting yeah. Uh, with, with Dion and, and then Dion signed, you know, you know, right. Dion putting yeah. together a hell of a staff there in, yeah. uh, in, um, uh, Colorado. And that, yeah,
1: it's, it's, I can't wait to watch Colorado football games next year.
2: <laughs> it's pretty wild, man. Uh, yeah. they're, they're gonna, I mean, him alone, name value alone is going to flip yeah. that, uh, that program in like no time. Half a right.
1: And, and in two years, USC and UCLA are gone. So all of a sudden, what do you have left in that in that conference? Um, OK, let's let's talk about the other article that you just published today uh, where you talked about some of the free agent defensive tackles who are on the market this offseason. Um, we, we, yeah, let's let's just go through like some of your some of the guys that you think would be the best fits for what the Browns need, because they're not going to break the bank. Right. They're not going to they're yeah, not going to sure. back up the Brinks truck. But but there's a few guys that could fit. Right
2: yeah there is so you know of course like the the headliners and i kind of i'll go through this real quick like this is going to be a monster i I didn't realize this until i did the article but this is actually in my opinion or from what i've read in in a couple different places and people that know what they're talking about this could be a huge year for the defensive tackle like almost wide receiver similar like Mm -hmm. the market's going to explode A, because it's a really good class, and B, because of the guys that are going to get extensions a year ahead of time. So any business done during the same offseason is going to affect the market. So you're talking about, uh, real quickly, you're talking about, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, uh, and Chris Jones all getting extensions this offseason, plus the class that's coming through, which is headlined by, like, Javon Hargrave, Darren Payne, uh, and some other guys. Now— those are the best guys in the class. Hargrave, right. he may get $20 million, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Payne, he's going to get paid a lot of money. So these guys are—the Browns aren't going to spend that much money, right? Right. Um, if you're looking more of, like, Dalvin Tomlinson is, you yep. know, it projected at, like, 8.5 a year. So, right. like, if you're going to start—I don't know who they're going to start, but most mm. teams, you know— subscribe to the philosophy philosophy that if you are going to pay a defensive tackle, you can pay one. Right. And, and then, so it, can you start Perion on Winfrey and Dalvin Tomlinson? Can you live with that? I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, well, that's one of the interesting things here is, is Winfrey had probably his best game of the year against the Bengals this past week. Right. right. Um, what he shows over the next four
2: games. is huge. Yeah. It's big. It's big. Yeah. yeah it makes a, it makes a lot. So, you know, I, I expect them to keep some of these guys for competition's sake. But, yeah. you know, um, Draymond Jones is an interesting name from uh, Ohio State, right? And now, you know, but he plays a little bit more of a, a – uh, he's a um, a 3-4 edge, yep. a 4-3, 3-tech. Three, three so, and a little bit lighter body, but boy, can he get after it. So, mm-hmm. it, it, once again, you know – and I wrote this in the article, a lot of this depends on philosophy, right? Like, we yep. don't know who's going to be the defensive coordinator here, so that right. will affect some of this stuff. Yep. Uh, I really, really like this guy, and I think he would be uh, right up the Browns' alley and right, like, you know, this roster's going to get a little bit older and win-now mode. Yep. Like, it should, I think. It should. It um, should. But, like, David... Can't uh, get much younger. Yeah. David Anyamata. <laughs> Uh, Oh, sure. 30 years old uh, from the Saints. Right. Uh, The fact that he's 30 years old will bring his price down a little bit. But but this dude can play ball in the article. There's a highlight reel for him. Uh, they have him at 9.6. I think that's a little bit on the high side. Spot yeah, track is kind of all over the place. I think we're looking at more like six or seven a year mm-hmm. um, for a couple of years. And he's a beast. And he seems like somebody that would be right in the Browns wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, and then you've got some guys like Jerry Tillery and, mm-hmm. of course, Sheldon Rankins, who I think sure. are on this uh, in that similar, probably mm-hmm. in that similar price range. Like, yeah. you don't, they're not going to break the bank, but they are going to probably, you would like to see them spend something, right? It yeah. said <laughs> Jerry Tillery, God, no. Yes, he is not, you cannot find anything on Jerry Tillery right now, except for him knocking the ball out of uh, Baker yeah. Mayfield's hands and getting yeah. that penalty. So
1: he has played better with the Raiders than he ever did with the Chargers. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's something, Um, you know, I, I think, you know, big picture philosophically, one of the things that, that you know, has been sort of a theme with the Andrew Berry uh, front office is that, you know, their first offseason before their first year, they fixing the offensive line, uh, and, 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 you know, including the tight ends to allow, uh, the running game to work for Kevin Stefanski. Then the next year they, they addressed the secondary, uh, drafting Grant Delpit, John Johnson, uh, Greg Newsom, uh, was the next Anyway, you, you know, my point that they, yeah. they went after the secondary, and then and then this past year obviously was the quarterback where they realized that they had to fix the quarterback situation. And, you know, I kind of expected that they would go on to address the pass game in general. I think they did because they, they did bring in Cooper uh, and draft David Bell. So there's been a little bit of a focus these offseasons. I think defensive tackle is probably too narrow of a focus, but certainly like shoring up the front seven with some veteran presence would be would would be a theme for the offseason. You know, and I see people in chat, you know, Larry Bedouin saying Uh, We need more than one DT, you know, and, and Josh Meyer saying depth on the defensive line will be important too. And I think that's a great point, right? Because they don't necessarily need two starting defensive tackles in free agency, but they probably need two defensive tackles at free agency. Even if one of them is more of a rotation piece.
2: And these are more of like your starting caliber guys, I think. And then um, there, you know, you can get a day two day three free agent for a couple million dollars. Maybe hopefully like, like you know, four million dollars they paid Taven Bryan. Uh, right. I mean, right. you you can bring Taven Bryan back as sure that's another and another let option. him yep. compete. But right. you also can bring in somebody better than Taven Bryan for four million dollars right. and have him be your depth, ideally. Right.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack it. And as you said, Brad, you know a lot of this depends on what happens at defensive coordinator. So the two articles that you've written kind of go hand in hand. So check both of those out at the OBR, the the defensive tackle one went up today. So it is like on the front page, right there, ready for your viewing pleasure. And, and like you said, there's highlights in there and it's it's chock full of good information. And, you know, David Onyemata, for example, is a player that we'll see next week in Cleveland. So, yeah. um, you know, there's there's that's part of this, right? Is we've got less to watch for what happens this year now, but there's still stuff to watch. And not only with the Browns, but with other teams. So you can check out a player like Draymond Jones. You can check out a David Onyemata. You can see kind of players that might fit uh in in with the browns from a price perspective and from a you know a value of acquisition perspective generally so um,
2: yeah and even with dc's like if you're interested in a dc sure. just watch it you know watch their defense play like right you know the thing you notice about the titans is how like in your face aggressive they are and mm-hmm. i know that comes from their head coach down but i think that comes from shorts a little bit too so
1: well and and you know listen i mean a lot of times it's, it's a young guy that you assume has learned from the older guy, but there's no way Schwartz hasn't learned something from Vrabel. And I think Vrabel is probably one of the better defensive minds in the game right now. So yeah,
2: absolutely. um,
1: Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, there's a lot for us Browns fans as as we look forward to the off season, there's a lot of stuff still with the season going on that we can kind of glean uh, from the games that are remaining. So um, that's going to do it for us here, Brad. I really appreciate you filling in for Cody tonight. Uh, Great talking with you. Um really breaking all of this down it's been a lot of fun Anytime um,
2: man I, I love it I, anytime I I had a blast uh and uh yeah I you know I could keep going for another hour if you wanted me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know we could we could definitely well, I, you know I feel like between the Jeff Howard thing and then talking about some of this offseason stuff we didn't spend a ton of time on the game but we will be yeah. back Wow yeah. Uh for for a pregame show on Saturday reminder that the game kicks at 4:30 we'll be on the air before that uh, for a uh, pregame coverage of, of Browns Ravens. Um, and we'll, we'll, have a postgame show as well. And then we'll be back next, uh, Monday. Actually, I'm filling in for Mike Keefe on the Monday rewind. So, uh, if you haven't got enough of me talking at your face, uh, check me out next Monday night. I'll be happy to do more of that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, lots of great stuff on the OBR, a lot of articles going up cause we've got the Saturday game. So everything's condensed. So, uh, check us out. A lot of good stuff went up today. A lot of good stuff going up tomorrow. And, uh, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's a tough time of year to be a Browns fan. Cause they are kind of out of the running. But like I said, there's plenty of stuff to watch, plenty of stuff to talk about with other teams an off season to look forward to, and we will break it all down for you at the OBR. So if uh, you're stay a, tuned.
2: If you're a true believer, Andrew, and you believe <laughs> in that 1%, that's right. I will post the New York times rooting guide of who okay. you need to root for. <laughs> <laughs> for the miracle of all miracles to happen, yeah. right? That's right.
1: right. Yeah. So they got to win out and uh, get a lot, a lot of help. And Brad's gonna help help you understand how just how much help they need. Uh, so we will be back on Saturday uh, pregame. Join us then. Until then, for Brad, for Ian behind the scenes. I'm Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night, everybody. Go Browns.